to The Coaching Cast, your working from home managers club, here to check in with you weekly to share your remote working highs and lows, remind you that you're not alone and acknowledge that there's many of us outside of your living room, kitchen, spare room, car, all sailing through this crazy storm together whilst trying to be the best coach, leader, manager and human being we can be. I'm Lisa Robin-Wood, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader, and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo, which suffocates rather than advocates. And I'm Susie Hunt, business coach, leadership, and sales mentor at Future You Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a one-year-old who certainly does not like being questioned. In this podcast, we aim to explore the leadership and coaching techniques required to navigate and survive the current business environment, masks and social distancing measures included. Each episode will present different topics which we will explore and discuss with support from some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints and tips as we go. We won't tell you what to do because we hate that, but we'll share and invite you to take away whatever you want. We hope you enjoy listening. So Boris Johnson has announced his roadmap to get the UK out of lockdown. Hoorah! And we're now looking ahead to June the 21st when we're being told all restrictions plan to be lifted. In today's episode, we're exploring what this may mean for the current state of remote working, what going back to work may look like, and how we determine and initiate our personal boundaries effectively to maintain what it is we like and wish to keep from lockdown life. Stay with us and enjoy. So it was International Women's Day yesterday. Uh, what a day of love it was as well. It was awesome. I don't think I've seen on a particular International Women's Day so many compliments and messages and support being shared between everyone actually it was so nice um and so to celebrate this we are going to do something a little bit different for the start of today's episode and we're going to start well firstly actually we're going to start by celebrating us aren't we Susie <laughs> yes although that's <laughs> I think that's okay. That's allowed. Yeah, I think it's okay. We can absolutely do that today, following on from the love of yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's celebrate us first, and then we'll celebrate other people. So firstly, our big news is we have now achieved over 900 listens of this podcast, which is unbelievable, considering we only launched just over a month ago. And there are currently seven episodes available. This will, oh no, eight episodes available. This is episode nine. It so is. yeah, unbelievable. We're so super chuffed. Suze, what's the exact number? Because I think you know it. <laughs> <laughs> All over the stats there. Uh, I know, so as always. 991, so nearly a oh, thousand. Oh, it's nearly a thousand. Oh, it's pretty much a thousand. We can just round yeah. it up. Can round someone just up. listen to us nine more times? Thank you very much. <laughs> in the next five minutes and then that will hit the thousand so yeah amazing we're so thrilled we're quite shocked to be honest I don't think we thought we'd hit that many listens so soon yeah we're just so grateful so thank you to everyone who has been listening and is still listening um we really appreciate it and we hope you stick with us we're coming to the end of season one season two is in the pipeline which we're really excited about and we'll be sharing more about that in next week's episode, the final episode of season one. Can't believe we're saying final episode. Of I know, one. crazy. 
but yeah so just a huge huge thank you so yeah thanks everybody we really appreciate it And also for sharing the love with your colleagues, your friends, your family, whoever you've spoken to us about, spread the word of the coaching cast. Uh, honestly, it's absolutely made our made our week, I think. Absolutely. Amazing. So we've celebrated us. So yes, well done us. Woo, well done us, well done us. Um, and now we'll celebrate some other amazing females. Uh, and we're going to do that in the theme of music, which is a big part of the Coaching Cast podcast. As those of you who've listened to us before will know, we like to finish with a song recommendation at the end. So we're going to do that today, but we're actually going to start with some uh, celebration of female artists first and some recommendation of our favourites. So Suze, do you want to kick us off with your your sort of favourite two female artists that spring to mind? I will do. I actually found, I found this exercise actually uh, a lot harder than I thought I would (laughs) and I think you did as well Um, there's just so many great people to choose from uh, in terms of this question Um, so in the end I actually just went with my gut and so I just went with it Um, and so my my two kind of favorite females that I wanted to call out today in music so first of all uh, I wanted to all hail the queen Beyonce that's my number one uh, choice um of course what a legend absolute queen um and my reasons for that were I think her just her boundless potential like she is um absolutely somebody who I personally love uh, I feel quite inspired by um she is a performer she's a businesswoman she's a mum she's um a campaigner she's a feminist and I think she just really represents um a, a modern female which I just really kind of buy into uh, to the point where um on my Hindu, which was a few years ago now my bridesmaids organized my Hindu focused around a Beyonce theme that's how much I love her we did that a Beyonce amazing. it really was and we did a Beyonce themed dance class because I love dancing as well we did a Beyonce themed dance class and we had like masks of Beyonce's face and we had like branded t-shirts honestly it was the best oh my god that sounds awesome is there any video footage of said dance class there is somewhere <gasps> yeah oh my there god is you have got to share that with me and I'll then see we if need I can to share the world we need to share it with the world, the greatness of your, your dancing capabilities, this hidden talent that I'm assuming you must have. I've seen it was honestly amazing. Oh, God. It was, um, it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Oh, um, wow. And so my number one choice had to be the queen that is Beyonce. Good choice. Good <laughs> choice. Love it. And what about choice number two? So choice number two is probably still in the jo- same genre of music. Um mm-hmm. But this person um, has done something recently, which when I was kind of thinking about what my number two choice would be, kind of tipped her over the edge uh, in my decision. And my number two choice is Pink. Um, I, again, love her music uh, and I love what she stands for. But she launched a new single uh, last month, which was um, a duet with her nine-year-old daughter, Willow. Um, and it's called Cover yes. Me in Sunshine. I did see this. Oh, it's honestly the most beautiful, heartwarming collaboration and song um, and brings real joy. I watched the um, the video yesterday when I was kind of uh, doing some research 
And honestly, it brought a tear to my eye. It was just absolutely beautiful to kind of listen to. Um, and so I just thought that was brilliant. And, and I really, again, just felt really inspired by it and wanted to um, celebrate that brilliant um, kind of collaboration there with her daughter. And how beautiful is that that they've got that together as well? It's something to kind of always look back on. So yeah, my second choice is Pink. Pink is the soundtrack to my teenage angst. Okay. Like without a doubt. Oh my God. Okay. And I had an obsession with a cropped haircut, which any of my best mates who are listening to this will know all too well. I wanted to look like Posh Spice at the Spice Girls with her crop. Okay. Yeah. So I took that to a hairdresser, um, not a very good one, I might add, who subsequently tried to cut this hairdo in for me. But what she should have said was, Love, you're 14. <laughs> you're never going to look like Posh Spice anyway, because you look completely different, let alone the hair texture is wrong because I've got a slight curl in my hair. So if you cut my hair short, I literally have like a little afro. But also you are, I don't know, about 10 years younger than her and hasn't, haven't really quite gone through puberty. So why I thought this was going to work out for me, I don't know. But Pink was my other idol and uh, I absolutely adore her and her relationship with her daughter is incredible. I think she's an unbelievable role model. So yeah, she really is. So much love for Pink. Oh, Great choices. Love Thanks. the choices. All I've got in my head now though is we run the world, girls, girls, we run the world, girls, girls. especially after yesterday. Start, you know, my little wind. Yeah. So street as ever. Uh, that's not what anybody wants to hear I've started singing nursery rhymes with my little boy to the point where sometimes he looks at me like can you stop because he's so out of tune <laughs> like no no more so I'm, I'm definitely not gonna sing but I, I think that's a, a good attempt there at, at a tune thanks very much Suze. So, yeah, <laughs> you're about right. you yeah so you're right I struggled really badly with this because there are just so many I mean I love music so much and I think the hardest challenge ever is to pick like your top favourite songs of all time, pick five. I just, I, I break out a sweat. I find that really stressful. <laughs> and actually what I didn't appreciate was how many females I have in my music collection who I absolutely adore and how many songs of theirs are, are, are in my all-time favourites. So I have chosen two. Okay. <laughs> I did manage it and I was a bit like you. <laughs> I went with the, the two that jumped straight into my head when okay. I thought of it. And the first one is one who I have revisited recently, who I found during my teenage Dawson's Creek years. Ah, oh, Dawson's Creek. Yeah. And this oh, is an artist sure. called Jewel. So she's okay. an American uh, solo singer. And I attended an online webinar with her. It was a really amazing experience, actually. I signed up for, you know, one of these things on, on LinkedIn type thing wasn't really expecting much of it, really enjoyed it and got to watch Jewel talking about her life experiences, which I had no idea about. So, and it was amazing. So one of her songs that I love is called Hands and it was in a Dawson's Creek episode. I'm sure it was. It was either Dawson's Creek or OC, one of those classics. (laughs) And um, I just loved the song when it came out on this program I was watching. But she was talking about the history of Hands and where it came from. So what I didn't realise was Jewel had a horrendously abusive childhood. So her mum left at eight years old, left the family home. Her dad had undiagnosed PTSD because at the time it wasn't recognised, which he had developed following his time in the Vietnam War. Okay. She decided to leave home at 15 and live by herself because the time in her, her home was too traumatic. And then at 18 years old, 
went to go and find her mum and ended up living on the street. And she actually practiced her own form of mindfulness to manage her anxiety at the time. And a big part of that was utilizing her hands. So hence where the song Hands came from. Anyway, I listened to this whole story and her talking about it and was just totally like moved by the whole thing. And she's now set up um, an inspiring children foundation, it's called. So she supports troubled children with, uh, with managing their mental wellness. Absolutely fascinating. Um, if you want to learn more, you can go to her website, jewelneverbroken.com. Really interesting. So she's my number one, just because okay. I found that so incredible. And how yeah. someone has, I think, survived that whole situation and turned it into something so positive, like for herself in a career, story. as well as what she does now. So that was my number one. And number two is Skin from Skunk and Nancy. Because... I, there are very few females in my mind that stand out and are as iconic as Skin from Skunk and Nancy. So she is the um, headline singer of the band. So they're like a Britpop sort of punk band. Again, a bit of a, they actually were a big part of my um, late, I think A-levels and early university years. And I just love the power of the music and the power of her and that she is just so individual and she stands out. She's a bit like a Grace Jones in that respect, who I also am quite fond of. Speaks her mind, super powerful. I find her completely captivating because I just think she's so unique. So she was my second choice. Okay. There's some great choices there, Lisa. Yeah, what good mixture as well. Mm. Excellent. So happy International Women's Day, all of you yes. lovely ladies. Happy International Women's Day. And also um, for the men out there as well, just in terms of from an equality perspective, uh, also shout out to those of you who are uh, very passionate about, um, you know, sorting out uh, inequality and spotting it and dealing with it. That's also much appreciated as well. Yeah, thank you, Suze. And absolutely agreed. There were some great social media posts from men across my network yesterday and I really appreciated that it really felt like a wonderful day all round for everyone so thank you very much everyone so let's get chatting about today's topic so in today's episode we're exploring what the end of restrictions in the UK may mean for the current state of remote working what going back to work may look like and how we determine and initiate our own personal boundaries effectively to maintain what it is we like and wish to keep from lockdown life. So Boris Johnson was recently quoted in the Sunday Times saying remote working won't be the new normal and that the British people would be consumed once again by their desire to meet people in person as the economy reopens. Lockdown has been tough for everyone in some form. And for those remote working, it has been a roller coaster of highs and lows. The workplace, suddenly being within your home on a daily basis, no change in scenery, no obvious breaks from commuting or structured break times, and many people juggling multiple priorities and pressures, including homeschooling, within the same space. But despite the challenges, I think many of us have acknowledged that actually... Working from home has had its perks and positives. We've talked about that in this podcast and we've adjusted to it and accepted it now as the norm. I think I'd even say a lot of people I've spoken to actually quite like their current way of working. 
A recent BBC News article published that Lloyds Banking Group is set to reduce its office space by 20% over two years after a staff survey found that nearly 80% wanted to work at home for at least three days a week. So if like staff at Lloyds Banking Group, there are those of us who want to maintain some of our remote working benefits, how do we achieve this successfully? So let's talk about setting and managing our boundaries. So Suze, firstly, what are your thoughts about what the next normal, because we don't use new normal on this show, we've talked about it before and we don't like it, next normal is going to look like for remote working from the 21st of June? So I think this kind of concept of the next normal um, and and going back to work, um, actually at this point, it's quite hard to define what that looks like. So in some ways, I find the article quoting Boris Johnson um, in terms of what he said, actually like a little bit irresponsible because I think it's hard. We, what, what going through COVID over the last 12 months or so has taught us, I think, is that it's very hard to now expect things to go to plan uh, or just because you set out an ambition or an expectation doesn't necessarily mean now it's going to happen because that's the world has is just become so unpredictable um, because of the environment that we've all been living in. And so um, I think at this point, kind of setting such um, prescriptive definitions of what the new working world and going back to work might kind of look like for every single one of us is quite challenging and, and it doesn't quite, quite sit with me quite comfortably because I think we'll need to kind of evolve and, and develop it as we go because there'll be things, that, challenges that will happen, opportunities that will come our way, things, you know, will be thrown into the mix that at this point we, we might not necessarily have been expecting or anticipated. Um, and so I think we, we do need to be careful about putting, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, about putting kind of people in boxes. Actually, in this instance, putting that kind of situation into a predefined box, if that makes any form of sense. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, what are some of the um, things that I think people are looking forward to about an element of that next normal. I've been speaking to some friends and family and colleagues on this. And I think there's three things that have come through in those discussions and also in terms of how I feel as well. And the first one is around that that separation of home and work. So I think having the opportunity to go back into an office environment in some capacity provides that separation between those two environments, which especially given everybody um, has been facing, you know, more domestic-based challenges, whether that's homeschooling, whether that's looking after, you know, um, elderly parents or young children. Actually having that element of physical separation in those two environments, I think, is something that um, will create and set those boundaries for people. Um, The second thing, I think, is about... um, being in one place physically together and actually we've talked a little bit about and debated this previously but I 
think from from talking to people and in also in my experience having worked remotely for quite a long time as well there is something about all being in the same place together which generates and um inspires creativity and problem solving and like that workshopping element I think it's a lot easier to do when you are face to face I don't really I can't really describe why that is still (laughs) but I do think there is something in that and I think it's you know maybe it's because you you can bounce off people a lot more in terms of reading their non-verbal communication whether um that that kind of energy in the room is a lot easier to um, pick up and bounce off than it is on a screen. And so your creative juices get flowing. And then the third element for me, I think is that social interaction. So just like having a conversation with somebody that's just in a more informal, casual, relaxed environment, um, it establishes um, that kind of that activity uh, in that in that next normal and and how we carry on kind of doing that and creating those connections with others so I would say those are probably from talking to people they're probably the three um kind of main things that are coming out about the the next normal and and what that could look like um from from the 21st of June what are your thoughts Lisa I think everything so far that I've been reading that's been out there in the press has suggested that the next normal will involve a mixture of remote and and, and office working. I haven't seen anything from anyone in a corporate traditional office sense. That's what I'm speaking about. So to be clear, I know that some of these thoughts, ideas, and actually even what I'm talking about in terms of what's being put into the into the press is not necessarily applicable to all industries. But for those who have been predominantly working at home because they can, because it's based on a computer, I think it sounds as though nearly every corporate office is looking at how they maintain an element of remote working. One, because I think they recognize that the past year has demonstrated that it's totally possible and achievable to 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 have that arrangement and to have it successfully and because I think they recognize people have become used to it and they like it and I think come the 21st of June yes there's plenty of us who are excited in some way about the end of restrictions but there is still those of us who are either tussling with a bit of a mixture of emotions, a little bit of anxiety, a bit like I touched upon last week, even myself personally, that I am a little bit, I suppose, tentative about what the next normal looks like. And there are going to people who don't feel confident yet Mm. to come back into the office space, who may need just a bit more time to feel safe. And therefore it can't be rushed. So actually having a balanced way of working and a choice for people where they feel in control of it I think is really really important and I I do get the sense that organizations are bearing that in mind I think also and I saw this quite a lot on my feed yesterday especially because it was International Women's Day I think there are more employers finally I might add understanding how critical flexible working arrangements are to parents not just women, men as well, because there are plenty of men out there who are the lead 
child carers at home or even if they're not there's a balance between them and their partners and they're sharing it this isn't just about women being at home and that actually flexible working is necessary to enable parents to do their jobs well and also look after their families which is you know what they've been doing for the last 12 months so closely from having to be at home so that's really exciting because that for me is quite a revolution mm. you know there are definitely more people you know organizations organizations coming out that i know mars is one mars has now i think given equal care rights to male and female when it comes to maternity and paternity care which is amazing and then also suntory yesterday was celebrating flexible working and that their commitment to sustain flexible working for all their employers employees never get that the way right way around (laughs) employees not employers I do that every time so that's really exciting and I think god if if lockdown and the pandemic if any of the good stuff uh has come out of it that we can keep I think that's one of them so I definitely think it it sounds as though organizations are looking at hybrid and like, I haven't even mentioned the cash side of things, you know, I've left I know. that until last, but that's the other obvious. Look, if you're yeah. a business person and you're only caring about money, Jesus, even if that is your all you're about, which, you know, I'm not saying that's right by any stretch, but if it is, hell, there's an obvious cash flow benefit from enabling people to continue to work from home. You don't need as much office space for them. And I think a lot of organizations have stripped out property rental and ownership from their budgets because they've understood that not to mention so many of them have actually got rid of them in the last 12 months because it wasn't sustainable if no one was going to be there and business was definitely on the on the downturn for that period yeah I think they've actually seen the physical saving from the last 12 months and so that's created um like a data point to actually really focus in on and it's made it more tangible in terms mm. of what the benefit could be yeah. in the long term. Yeah, um, always sad, isn't it? Unfortunately, that the tangible element that a business may grab hold of is the financial side. I'd love a day when they actually focus more on people's well-being. I think there are definitely organisations out there who are doing more of that. I'm not saying that there isn't. Going back to your point about providing choice to, to employees, you know, businesses don't employ intelligent adults Um to then like go and just totally prescribe how they should work when they should work where they should work you know there has to be an element of respecting that you've employed these intelligent adults because they can go and make decisions about how best to motivate themselves and how best to get the the outputs out of you know out of their work um and it's about that for me, it's about that adult-to-adult relationship, not that parent-child dynamic of an organisation enforcing, you know, this is how I need you to go away and work now. And I think when I was managing people, I certainly felt very passionately about um, judging people on their outputs. Maybe judging was not the right word, but, um, you know, making sure that that's what I used to um make my decisions or create my opinions rather than when and where you work. I I didn't care. Like as long as you deliver what you needed to deliver and you create a schedule, working schedule that works for you and your family and your situation, that's absolutely fine because fundamentally we're all different. And so what works for me again might not work for you. 
And I think you're absolutely right when you reference the parent-child and the, you know, the parent-to-parent setup, because I think organizations do struggle with parent-child syndrome, as I call it. And I think there's a lot of focus in on, well, how can we manage that differently and, and lead that differently and change the leadership and management style to manage that kind of situation that relationship that's ineffective and unhealthy out and actually mm. yes absolutely there is an approach to be taken with the day-to-day management from the perspective of performance but you're missing a really obvious easy one which you've just mentioned which is actually what about building from a place of trust in the relationship first and a place of I can see you and what you're capable of and I trust you to do it mm. and I'm going to leave you and give you the space to do that that initiates that parent to parent straight away. So you've got two adults working together. And a big part of that is, as you've described, when you enable an individual to have the power to initiate their own boundaries, those boundaries being, this is where I work, this is where I work best, this is the times I work best. And look, it's it's not about necessarily leaving that to the decision of the individual 100% of the time because at times you will need to be there at a certain time be present come in the office you have to flex but I think getting the balance between it is is so important Mm. I and I totally agree about that whole treat me with the you know the respect in terms of my intelligence because I've been in roles before where I've gone through a process, I've secured the role, I've worked really hard to demonstrate why my skill set, my experience, my knowledge is fit for purpose for that role, only to then work for a manager who insists on doing everything for me. And mm. I think that's that's happened to me even in senior roles. Now, at that point, I'm expensive. <laughs> so I've always kind of thought, what on earth? Is, you know, is this individual and organization doing? You want to pay me this amount of money, but I'm apparently only capable of doing a quarter of it because the rest of it you want to do for me. I, I, I mean, I've laughed in those situations at times, but I have to admit it's never, it's been so bloody demotivating. And I have had to address it at times to go, really? <laughs> I can do this if you just give me the opportunity to do it and leave me. Like I am capable. Because actually I think... It's known that people are inspired, motivated, energized when they're given responsibility. When you're when yeah. your capability is acknowledged, that's recognition. So it makes you feel great, especially to be able to then utilize that skill set. But I think for me, a lot of that still comes down to this topic we're talking about today of boundaries. Because I think mm. it's about understanding and recognizing those boundaries, both in terms of how you as a leader set them up as a standard. Yes. And in in lots of ways, how you role model it. And monitor it as well. And and monitor it, exactly. And challenge it when you think, actually, I don't think this is working for you or me. So let's have an honest conversation about it. But I I think in terms of, yeah, setting the standard around it in the first place and acknowledging that the individual themselves is able to to set them for, you know, for whatever works best for them. Because I do think it's interesting I'm going to ask you this question, actually. Do you think, in particular, when it came to managing boundaries with your team around their choice of working and location and timing, et cetera, 
do you think that was more positively influenced by the fact that you yourself had set up uh, an arrangement that best suited you because you know you'd based yourself you know you relocated during your role the last role particularly that I know of um you know two or three four actually I was it like five or six hours away from the head office on a good day <laughs> but you weren't quite far away from the head office is what I mean so flexible working was really important for you because yeah. actually it was going to work for you do you think that influenced how you managed other people great question um I think maybe to an extent because my diary had to have an element of structure but also had to have an element of flexibility in it because I did live so far away from head office um and so my way of working had to be more flexible so you know a one-to-one would be sometimes maybe on the phone um with me sat at a service station on the M6 Um, and so that in itself was more flexible and and different versus that traditional way of working and so yeah I think maybe that did then kind of breed a sense of um, me role modeling what a flexible practice could look like for them as well but I also think that because of the world we were in and the environment we were in and the organization actually that we worked for um, you know, it was encouraged to try and look at getting that that work life balance, and that that you know was very linked to your well being, which was important, linked to your engagement, and that was very crucial as a, as a metric for us all. Um, and I think there will always be people who add into the debate, understandably, going back to that element about trust. You know, but how do you know that somebody isn't abusing that trust or, you know, those frameworks that you've set in terms of the ways of working? You don't, you don't, you you know, you can't know that all the time. That's not possible. You know, you will know if someone is abusing that because their outputs will change. There'll be a change in either their behavior or a change in their kind of um, work quality or deliverables. And so that's when you need to go and start probing and having a look at that situation, 100%. So I think just behaviour breeds behaviour, to go back to your question. And I think, yes, I probably did create an environment where, because of the way I worked, it encouraged more flexible working. Um, But I also think it was important for the people who uh, were in my team as well because of where they were at in their lives and what Mm. was them as well so it was probably a combination of both of those things yeah but I think it sounds like you were close enough to your team to recognize that and support them with that I'd like to think so hmm. yeah this is when they get in touch and say (laughs) no it's what they say no I don't know because I thought about it in the same context for myself because actually I started commuting to a job back in 2010 before that, I'd always worked fairly close, you know, fairly, you know, easy distance in yeah. many ways to any of the jobs I'd had. But in 2010, I embarked on quite a challenge, challenging commute because I so wanted to live where I lived, which at the time was London. And I wanted to work for this particular company that were based in Oxford. And I commuted, but I commuted on public transport, which I know many people at the time thought I was mad. And I did that for three years. So I did it for a long time, but I did it because I knew what I wanted and I set out clearly in my mind how I was going to make it work. Mm. And a big part of that was setting boundaries around 
when I'm going to start working, when I'm going to finish the breaks I'm going to have, I have to leave at this time because I need to go and catch, you know, I caught the bloody bus. I mean, totally bizarre for most people, but I was very strict about that. And then I was actually even stricter then about uh, my working at weekends, which I totally did not do because I needed the rest to start all over again on Monday. But I did it because I really wanted it. And I Mm. ended up then always commuting. I commuted for work for you know, in the end, it was like nine years. And I actually really enjoyed the commute because the commute created a boundary in itself around when I was going to finish and how I was then going to switch off and wind down from working. Yeah. But it definitely gave me a more empathetic view to anyone who was commuting, but also anyone who was seeking flexible working because I could see how I could had made it work for myself. And it did take flexing from all sides this isn't about in my opinion an organization has to flex and that is it I think Mm. it is about recognizing that in the ideal is a partnership between you and your employer and you make the situation work for each other that's my view because I'm not of the view of you know it's about the hierarchy in an organization and I'm the feeble worker and I just don't have that mindset around working for people So I do think it's give and take and I will give and I'll keep giving as long as I feel like I'm being given back to. Mm. And so when it came to flexible working, I was always empathetic, but it also made me very clear around what I thought was acceptable Mm. because I knew what I was doing. And I thought, well, if I can do that and make it work, and if I have to at times flex more, then I'll just do that. So I could sometimes, I probably appreciate be a little bit unforgiving in the opposite sense to other people. <laughs> Cause I was, I, I can be a bit like, well, if I can do it, so can you, um, which isn't always fair or accurate, I might add, but yeah, it was just, I just thought it was quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of this topic around boundaries, then I think you raised a fair point right at the start of this whole conversation in response to Boris Johnson's article in the Sunday times, which from your perspective, you know, you said, is it right to be stating how remote, you know, remote working is going to change at this stage when we've still got a number of months yet to go before the 21st of June, nothing's set in stone. Even Boris has said that about the roadmap. We don't really know what's going to happen. We may not even get to that point and the restrictions are lifted. So we do have to be careful about how we plan now because Mm. quite rightly, as you've already stated, Plans have changed constantly over the last 12 months. There's nothing to say they won't change again. That being said, and I would say probably even that being in mind, knowing that some of this is not in our control, like what are your recommendations for setting and managing like personal boundaries to achieve what you want in a, in a work life sense? Like when we're look, looking at like, how do we keep the bits we want? Yeah. So I think, um, Firstly, I would suggest that people think about what boundaries mean for them and really try and get under the nub of what it is that they want to protect or what it is they want to change in terms of that space. So, for example, you know, are you somebody who's saying yes to every request that comes your way? And actually, that's making you feel uncomfortable. That's making you feel um, stressed because you're running around and feeling like you're not necessarily achieving everything. 
Or are you somebody who's accepting every Zoom meeting invite that's coming in? So your diary is literally just stacked one after another of Zoom or Teams meetings. So you get no break in the day to just pause, take a breath, get a coffee, have a little change of scenery, have a walk. Or actually, are you really enjoying the fact that you um, are able to have a lunch break between, say, 12 and 1, and you can go out and grab some fresh air with the dog, and you want to protect that in your in your kind of new um, world as we move forward? So I think my first thing was, I'd say is just really try and have a think about um, what those boundaries are that you're either you're, you're A, trying to protect, or B, you're wanting to change. And there's a, there's a great quote, which I'm just going to read now by a motivational speaker called Tony Gaskins. And for me, I think this sums it up really well. He says, you teach people how to treat you by what you allow, what you stop and what you reinforce. Um, oh, I love that. We'll have to uh, get that noted down, stick it up on a social page somewhere. Absolutely. We'll get it on Instagram. Yeah, that's a good um, one. And I think... I think he's got a really good point and it summarizes for me the benefit of really just thinking about what those boundaries are for you. And again, they will be different for us all. And I think just being clear around and um, leading on from that, being clear around in that working environment, have a conversation with your line manager uh, or if you are a manager of a team as well, do this with your team. Just be clear around what the responsibilities are for each of those people and also for you as a team in, in totality. Work through that together, align what the thing you can do is prioritize what those responsibilities are from one to three, say, so your top three in a certain period of time, because they will create the boundaries that you'll then be working towards and they'll help you define what they are and everybody will then be on the same page in terms of setting and defining those boundaries and so then subsequently managing them in the right in the right way hopefully um so that would be kind of another point i would suggest and then the other kind of thing i would say is try to just become more consciously aware and take note of situations or people who make you feel that your boundaries are becoming compromised so build your own awareness around actually something happened then I suddenly feel a bit uneasy about it or suddenly don't like that why is that is that because my boundary has become compromised or they've um made me feel a certain way I don't like that I feel like there's an expectation now that I do need to log on at 8 p.m and reply to that email and, and that's making me feel conflicted because then you can relevant and relevantly action plan and reset in terms of whatever that looks like but you need to have an awareness of where that's happening and why that's happening in order to address it and then subsequently manage your boundaries more effectively um and then the final thing i would say is um learning to let go and also empowering others when it's appropriate to do so you need to be careful about this because you don't want to then enforce things onto other people, which then compromise their boundaries because they protect yours, if that makes any sense. Um, but learning to trust others, play to other people's strengths if it's appropriate um, and help 
reinforce those boundaries that you've set yourself and and communicate and show that because then that's also role modeling how you are doing it and that gives great um inspiration to others about how to then go and do that for themselves as well but you do need to be careful that that is a mutual agreement that um you are empowering and uh, giving perhaps um other things for people to do and learning to let go of that rather than just enforcing it of of I need you to go away perhaps and do this or complete this off you go end of conversation that's not what I'm saying in this recommendation so they would be probably like my three or four uh perhaps top tips to have a think about in terms of setting and managing your boundaries to achieve a your own work life and whatever you want that to look like I was thinking about this in terms of my experience when it comes to boundaries and individuals boundaries being broken or mismanaged and the most common reason is because they themselves haven't understood what their own bad boundaries actually are and haven't communicated them clearly to anybody and I think you know people who are guilty of always saying yes and then feeling exhausted tired burnt out taken advantage of it's usually not usually that's probably the wrong word and it's too generalized it's not in part it can be let's say because they themselves haven't considered well what am I prepared to do what am I not yeah what's important to me what are my priorities to then know that when someone approaches them with something that doesn't align to it that they can say no because they can see well this doesn't correlate with what's important to me you know if you haven't got those boundaries there's a risk that you will just get you know not not mistreated that's not really what I mean it sounds way too dramatic but you know you're less likely to be able to be clear about managing expectations on what you will and won't do because you aren't clear anyway you don't know yourself and productive I think as well yeah absolutely so I think I totally agree I think you as a as the first top tip it's got to be you've got to think about what your boundaries actually are and what is okay for you and what is not so to you know to use your point what do you want to protect and look after uh, you know predominantly so I think that definitely is is one and then the second part to that is it's all good and well creating those boundaries but no good if you don't share them with anyone because it's not fair for anyone to assume that or expect them to know what works for you they can't uh, and it's wrong for them to do so anyway I think we've talked about that I'm not encouraging anyone to make assumptions I think you have to take responsibility that if you know the way you want to work and what works best for you, you need to share it with people so they can help you to achieve it. Because we all work in teams, you know, very few of us work silo, you know, unless yourself, unless you are a solopreneur, our, our word that we've learned this season, you know, and you're able to, to, to manage and dictate your day. But even to that extent, you still have customers. You still have to manage boundaries with customers to manage their expectations. So, you're not completely on your own, but I do think you've got to communicate with people and let them know, bring them in. Yeah. Cause actually they'll want to help you. You know, there's nothing more frustrating when actually you've encroached on someone's boundaries and there's been a reaction and you had no idea. I mean, it's so infuriating. You end up being in like a very difficult situation with conflict when actually there was no need, or you can be just really frustrated because you're feeling like you're not getting what you're expecting. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and it's simply because someone just didn't say to you, well, I, can't, I, w- I won't be able to do that. Or I'm not going to do that for this reason. So I do think that communication piece is, is really, really, really important. So I think to summarise, Suze, I want to read out what I think our top three are. Okay, do it. So I've got number one, consider what your boundaries actually are. What's okay, what's not. So what do you want to protect and maintain potentially in this situation as we go into that next normal? And I would think about, and how are you going to make that happen? Who needs to be involved, crucially? Number two, set clear standards and responsibilities for you and your team to help you prioritise and collectively manage together then the boundaries around that. And I think the more when you're in a team and you're managing a team especially, the more you involve and engage people, the better, because you'll all be aligned and on the same side. That's an effective team. And then the third thing, communicate, share, and gain mutual agreement and support. Do you think I've missed anything, Suze? Anything major? I don't think so. No, and I think just to reiterate again that quote from Tony um, Gaskins, I'll read it one more time just because I love it so much. It is good. Uh, It says, you teach people how to treat you by what you allow, what you stop, and what you reinforce. It's now time for this week's listener question. This is where you, the listener, send us your workplace dilemmas or questions, and we try and answer them and offer some suggestions. So this week's question is from Pippa, so I'll play it now for us. Hi, Susie and Lisa. My name's Pippa. I'm loving the podcast, and I hope that you can help me out. Um, I'm just about to start a new job. I've been furloughed for the best part of a year and I'm just getting a bit anxious now about going back into work, starting a new role. It's going to be completely working from home, which I'm not used to. And I'm just worried that I'm going to get lonely or not have structure to my day. So any tips that arise you could give me would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, Pippa. Cheers. A great question. Yeah. Uh, very relevant for today's topic. I was going to say, very relevant for today. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pippa. Uh, well, firstly, congratulations, Pippa, on securing a new job. Uh, that's amazing. So I'm like, woo, Pippa, yes, yes, good things are happening. It's not all bad news. Good things are happening. So well done, Pippa. That's awesome. So I think in respect of your question, what I would say is, is, let's just take the working from home element out of it for the moment. So let's just not focus on that bit specifically. I am making the fairly, I hope, valid assumption that you have started a new job in the past. So if you did it well last time, which no doubt you did, because you now got another job, and that generally is the way things go. If you do well in one job, you're able to get another one. If you did it well in the past, you can do it again. So what I would recommend you do is to think back to the last job that you started and think about what did you do when you started that job? How did you approach it? What worked well for you? And when you've had some time just to think about those particular questions and maybe write some thoughts down, I would say, what have you learned from that? And what can you take away from that experience that you can use now in this new opportunity that you have and potentially repeat and see how that works for you? And I think 
remember, yes, you're working from home and appreciate potentially, you know, for yourself, as you say, you haven't done that before. Yes, it, it may feel new and strange, but you can still initiate a routine for yourself. So like we've been talking about, you know, think about your boundaries in terms of what do you want? What's okay for you in terms of working? What time do you want to start? What time do you want your breaks? What time are you going to finish? And how are you going to set that self, set that up for yourself to make that happen? Who needs to be involved to support you to do that? You can still form structure in your day in terms of how you prioritize your work. And you can think about the environment you want to work in from home. So like Susie and I've shared in previous episodes, it might be worth thinking about listening to, I think it was episode, well, even the pilot, actually, the pilot, we talked a lot about the benefits from working from home and potentially the challenges. And we shared some tips and suggestions as to how to address some of those challenges. One being around the environment that you're working in and how do you create a space that feels like work and gives you that time away uh, potentially from normal home life. I think, you know, look at that as well so you can set yourself up. And don't forget, you can still network. And again, I'm going to point you to another episode now, episode two on connectedness, <laughs> where we talked about how to... Uh, just listen to the back catalogue of, catalog of episodes. yeah, um, And that would be really helpful. That will get us to a thousand listens. Woo! Just Pippa <laughs> listening to all of our episodes again. Um, but yes, you know, think about how you can build up your network. Admittedly, you're going to be new in this organisation, but how can you identify people who you can reach out to and speak to and help build up your knowledge of people and what they do and grow your personal brand? All of that is totally doable. So that's what I would recommend to you, Pippa. Do you have anything to add, Suze? Probably just one thing, which is, is about the furlough piece, actually, in the question. Um, and actually, I, I would suggest maybe taking a moment to um, look back at your furlough journey um, reflecting on that so what are the, some of the things it's taught you about yourself what are the some of the things you've learned in that time that you've been on furlough and what are some of the things you can then take forward into this new part of your career and life now and your new job and actually now it's about moving forward into that into that new role which you'll be successful at so I think doing that little exercise um might just help you take away some of that worry that because you've been on furlough, that's how that's going to hold you back in some way. I don't think it needs to. So that exercise might help you uh, reframe it a little bit. Great cool. stuff. So thanks very much, Pippa, for the question. And congratulations again. Really excited for you and, and hope you start the job well, which I know you will, actually. Don't say <laughs> so, yeah, have a great time and just enjoy it enjoy starting this new this new job this new challenge it'd be great so if those of you who are listening have your own thoughts on this and would like to share or you have a question that you would like us to answer please get in touch you can email us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or you can send us a message on instagram at thecoachingcast so it's now time for bullshit bingo a particular favorite feature for many of you I think I'm glad this is going down well we're really enjoying it and we've had some crackers sent through we've got a brilliant one today so <laughs> this is the part of the show where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace and in life actually which make us completely cringe so today's bullshit bingo is um one that's been sent through by one of our listeners and so thank you very much for this it is on a journey 
in the context of working towards something and the highs and lows of the experience and getting there. So Sue's go on then, kick us off. What do you think about this one? Where are we going on our <laughs> journey? Because I would love to be on a sunny beach right now, sipping some rosé, looking at the sea, because this sounds like, if this journey is going to get me there, then absolutely I'm all for it. Um, I feel bad about this one because as a coach, this is, uh, you. We, we use this phrase a lot. I know I'm guilty of using this one. Personal journey, you're on a journey. You know, I think I use this all the time. Actually, it's actually made me rethink whether I should use journey. But it's a good, it's a good descriptive word for when you're, especially when I think I'm thinking of it in the context of when you're trying to support someone to achieve a goal, and potentially they're getting frustrated or they're not getting there as quickly as they would like. I find this term quite reassuring and respectful. <laughs> You're on a journey. It's fine. You know, that journey just might be a bit longer than we were expecting. And that's There's okay. a delay in your journey. It's okay. And, you know, journeys can be curved and not necessarily linear. Yeah, I use this one a lot. Sorry, Anne. I actually don't find this that bullshit. But maybe I'm saying that because I use it all the time. And listeners <laughs> are going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah. You've got some bias there. Yeah, I'm biased. I'm biased on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've definitely heard it used in my corporate career when leaders in my, you know, in terms of those leaders that I had leading me have tried to use it to brush over issues and things that have gone wrong I think that's when I've heard it and that's when I've heard it at a time when actually I found it a bit irritating maybe yeah cringe has come in when it's like you know let's be honest we've been on a journey rather than just going look we absolutely buggered it up like let's just <laughs> lay it on the line it's you know we did this wrong and that went wrong and that didn't go to plan and that's okay because what we learned was this but generally in my experience in my corporate career we didn't go into that. We just went, let's be honest. We've been on a journey. Just so let's just brush over all the shit that's happened. And just... Been used, yeah, I think that's when I... Yeah, that's when I think I've heard it misused quite badly. And just, I mean, definitely the the rolling of the eyes came out because of the yeah. corporate mumbo jumbo, faux show. <laughs> yeah, doubt. I agree. I've, I've heard it used in that context as well um but no thanks Anne I think yeah, that's a, thanks, Anne. A, a good one to debate yes a great debate today on that one thank yeah. you very much so guys if any of you are out there and you've got your own bullshit bingos that you want to send in we love receiving them from you so please do get in contact with us use the same email address hello at the at the or as we've said before you can message us on instagram at the coaching cast and yeah we love receiving them so send them in so we're coming to the end of today's episode where we've explored what the end of restrictions in the UK may mean for the current state of remote working, what going back to work may look like, and how we determine and initiate our personal boundaries effectively to maintain what it is we like and wish to keep, not just from lockdown life, but in general. So our tips from today for you to try to set and manage your personal boundaries are... Magic whiteboard. Da, 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 da. High tech. Very high tech. So number one, consider what your boundaries actually are. What is okay and what is not okay? What are you wanting to protect? Because as we've said, if you don't know, 
no one else will and you will just end up doing everything and anything for anyone so number two set clear standards and responsibilities for you as well as your team if you manage a team be clear around what is the priority so that you guys can manage it together and agree and align on the boundaries for you as a team and then the third thing is communicate share and gain mutual agreement and support to sustain your boundaries because as we said earlier in the episode no one is going to be able to support you in managing your boundaries effectively if they don't know what they are and to be honest you're just going to fall out with people and you yourself are going to become frustrated and annoyed it's all about managing expectations so they're the top three episodes from today so in addition to the top tips for you we've also got in the true nature of of coaching we've got some questions for you to give a try just to help expand and deepen your thinking on this particular subject. So the first one is, what have you enjoyed about your working life in lockdown? The second thing is, what are the three things that you want to keep and essentially protect, as we've already alluded to? Number three, what action are you going to take to make this happen and who can support you to do it? We hope you enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Contact us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or on Instagram at thecoachingcast. Your support means everything. Therefore, if you like what you've heard, then please give us a follow on Instagram at thecoachingcast. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and most importantly, subscribe to future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts and also on YouTube by searching The Coaching Cast. Our next episode is the season finale. How did that happen? I don't know, it's mad. Crazy, crazy, Um, where we will be looking back at season one and discussing our highlights, as well as sharing a few hints as to what you can look forward to in season two. Also, don't forget, there are eight other episodes of The Coaching Cast, which you can listen to at any time and wherever you listen to your podcasts. So in the introduction, we referenced how much we both love music and celebrated some of our favourite female artists in acknowledgement of International Women's Day that took place last week, Uh, last week, yesterday. God, that's how much time has passed for me already. So what we said we like to do, we're going to do it again today, is finish each of our episodes with our personal song recommendation, just to give you some inspiration musically to energize yourself for the day ahead and get motivated for your next video conference meeting, whether that's on Zoom or Teams, however you do it. So it's my choice this week. And my choice is in honor of, as I said, International Women's Day. And it's Shaka Khan, who I did mention in the beginning. And it's Like Sugar. I feel badass when I listen to this song. (laughs) I get my groove on, saunter out. I love it. I've been listening to it loads recently. I just don't think you can not dance to this song. No, Try and dance anyway. So that's my song, Shaka Khan's Like Sugar. So I hope you enjoy it. So thanks for listening to us today. And thank you to all of the 991 listens we've had so far. Nearly a thousand. Get us there, please, by (laughs) the end of this week. That'd be really great. And yeah, just hope you have a great week. And remember, you've got this.